Master, and of course, across from me, I got my main man, Mr. Sean V. Bradley, CSB. What's up, Sean? You ready to rock? Man, I'm born ready to rock. This is SVB, and the place to be, and the place to be is against all odds. And yo, LA, man, we got a special, special edition this week. Mm-hmm. And to kick it off, man, I want to bring in my man, Mr. Joe Kalitz. Joe, you there, man? Yeah, I'm here, Sean. <laughs> Don't scream in the mic there, Joe. I mean, yeah, maybe those shelves got you cracking, man. It's a, it's a safe space, man. We're good. So you there, Joe? Yeah, I'm here, Sean. All right, good. So, so Joe, man, I, I'm really honored to have you on here, man. Uh, again, uh, for so many different reasons. First and foremost, you are the director of operations of my main company, Dealer Synergy. And, uh, but also, you know, because we also share a common denominator, uh, you were a, an army veteran. So can you tell everybody just a little bit about you, your background, the military side? Yeah. So, uh, I joined the army in August of 2007 for six years. I was an airborne infantryman in the 82nd airborne division and I deployed for a year to Baghdad. Wow. Dang. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you for your service, my man. Now, in addition to that, kind of share your background with Dealer Synergy. What do you do for us? Yeah, so at Dealer Synergy, I run the day-to-day operations. I juggle everything from our marketing to our client success to sales. I I pretty much take care of everything so that you, Sean, you can focus on growing things even bigger, bigger, bigger in the future. Mm -hmm. And you got a wife and kid at home. (laughs) Yeah, you got a wife and kid at home. So you're a combat soldier. You know, you are director of operations, but on education level, you're smarter than me, right? I, I think you are. I mean, like collegially trained, like what, what level of education you got? So I utilized the GI Bill I earned from serving my country. And I went back to school, got my associate's bachelor's. But more importantly, I got my master's in business administration. Nice. Absolutely. Show that's fire, man. So when we come back, we're going to have you introduce our very special guest. This is going to be phenomenal. We'll be right back against all odds. Did you know that car.com is a website to connect consumers like you, me, our parents, basically everybody to local car dealers? Car.com helps us find that perfect vehicle. From new vehicles to certified pre-owned, Car.com will help you find the best vehicle match. Car.com practically started the online car shopping experience. Peace of mind and finding your perfect vehicle, it's what they do. Car.com, we do the research, you do the driving. Get started getting that peace of mind today at Car.com. It's the Against All Eyes Radio Show. Against All Eyes Radio You should show. check out our website. Or find us on Facebook. Or Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. 
We even got a YouTube channel. <laughs> hey, first of all, let me thank everyone for tuning into our radio show every weekend. But if you're looking for more interactivity, make sure you download Clubhouse and follow Sean V. Bradley and the Blind Master. We're on every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. From nothing to everything. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Against All Eyes radio show. And listen, man, I know as you normally hear me and Sean, but we're going to shut up right now because I got my main man, Mr. Joe Kalitz, who's going to introduce our super duper special guest for today. Let's bring it in, Joe. Man, so I jumped out of planes and shotguns for six years and all that crazy stuff doesn't compare to what our guest on the show today did. He was an officer and a Navy SEAL on SEAL Team 4 and SEAL Team 8, and now he is doing big things. Uh, let me introduce you to our guest, Mr. Sean Matson. Hey, hey, what's up, what's up guys? What's up? How are you guys this oh, morning? We got uh, double Joe show today. Sean this is crazy. LA, what's up? <laughs> what's happening? Yo, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, this is officially the safest show. We have a Navy SEAL <laughs> and an airborne infantryman here. I wish a mom uh, would. I wish somebody would try to try us right now. You know what I mean? Like, That's right. <laughs> so, Sean, it's an honor to have you on the show, man. Let's just get right into it. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. So, uh, 2005, I joined, uh, I started SEAL training uh, with Bud's Class 258. Um, we started off with about 130 of us. Uh, we graduated 19. Um, and that six month. Uh, so it ends up being about a year process between Bud's and uh, SQT, the advanced training. And then I joined SEAL Team 4 in 2006, um, almost 2007, and then um, started deploying right away. So did five deployments in my 10 years of active duty service, uh, three to Iraq, two to Africa, and then um, uh, did another three years in the reserves. Wow. Well, again, thank you so much for your service, brother. I can't even imagine what type of craziness that you were involved in uh, on an elite team like the Navy SEALs. But I want to go back just a little bit before that, though. Like, again, you, to, to want to be a Navy SEAL, like, where'd that come from? Yeah. Good so question. family history, really. Um, my dad was in the Navy. My grandfather was in the Navy. Um, we ended up losing my uncle in the Coast Guard. He was a, a rescue uh, swimmer in the Coast Guard. Uh, was killed in a training accident in the helicopter. Um, what's called the Jesus nut, uh, basically ripped, sheared right off, killed everybody on the helicopter. Um, and my middle name is Mark. And so that's my, my uncle. Uh, but my, my father, my grandfather, my uncle, you know, all these, all these, uh, you know, people in my life that had served um, primarily in the Navy. Yeah, obviously I said my uncle was in the, in the Coast Guard. So I grew up wanting to serve my country. Um, initially, it was coast. Uh, initially, it was uh, wanted to be a Top Gun pilot. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. You know, Top Gun was big at the time when I was growing up. So I was I was gung ho all about that. But then at the age of twelve, I was in California, seeing these guys running down the beach. I'd always loved swimming. I grew up swimming, um, and I told my mom and and my two sisters, I was like, that's what I'm going to go do. And they were like, you don't even know what that is. I was like, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm going to go do. That looks like fun. They're running up and down the beach. Like they're in the water, they're playing with boats. Like I'm going to go do that. And, uh, <laughs> at, at 12, you know, and I started telling people that was going to be what I did. And, you know, I mean, um, you know, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but I mean, I, I, I was, I'm dyslexic. I had a learning disability. I, I grew up with a, you know, IEP and everything, you know, it's really struggled through school all my life. And, um, 
you know, so always had that challenge. And, you know, basically people always wrote me off as like the dumb kid in the class. And, you know, I still get nervous reading in front of people because like how bad I was, you know, tortured basically uh, because I can't read, you know, um, you know, and, and growing up a, a, that way and, and just having this learning disability and it just has always affected me mentally. But, um, you know, having some of that and just, you know, people always saying like, you know, yeah, whatever, you know, just another kid with a big dream, you're never going to get it. And, you know, I, I always did it though, for me, you know, I kind of had that in the background, but for me, it was always, I knew I could do it and I just needed to set my mind to it and go do it. Lovely. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> so again, you wanted to be a, a Navy SEAL at a, at a young age. When did you really understand what that meant? Because I, I feel there's a lot of people that want to be rich. They want to be a, an NFL athlete. They want to be a Navy SEAL, but they don't know what that really means. Mm-hmm. So like, when was it that you started to realize what, what that actually entailed? <laughs> Probably not until I was like, you know, really, really like it 22 over. when I was walking into buds and going, <laughs> you know, what the, what, what the hell am I doing here? You know, like, because it, what, what's, what's funny is like, I, I, I did some research, right. I read some books and I watched, uh, I watched the buds class two, three, four videos and, and some of those things, but like and I got there. And wait a minute. So for our audience, BUDS is basic underwater demolition school, correct? Yeah, correct. Sorry. Yeah. Military acronyms, you know how it is. So and, and that's, uh, we, why, that's why I'm jumping around. here. So people are like, Absolutely. BUDS, like, what is that? It's like a Budweiser? No, no, dude. This is some serious stuff right here. We, we do like to drink Budweiser, but uh, uh, <laughs> no. Know. So BUDS, uh, basic underwater demolition school, um, uh, SEAL training. But, um, you know, for me, as soon as I arrived there, there was guys that knew literally – what things were going to happen every day and every hour. And I mean, they would be like, Oh my gosh, tomorrow we've got this coming up. I'm like, okay, I don't even know what that is, but we're just going to go do it. You know, like, you know, and honestly, I think for me, it hit help because I didn't have that, that, that maybe like prejudgment of like, Oh man, this fear of what's coming next. Mm -hmm. I just rolled with it and just like, well, this is going to suck. And guess what? That next thing's going to suck. And the next thing's going to suck and just keep moving forward. It's almost like that, that, that people educate themselves so much on something that they, they talk themselves out of doing it. So now did you, cause you're, you were an officer. So usually there's two ways, either going through the, the Naval Academy or through ROTC. So how did you become an officer? <laughs> So there's actually three ways. OCS. Yeah, OCS I was going to say OCS. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tennis school. So, so, yeah, that's the so way I ended up going OCS, even though I went to, I went to VMI. So Virginia military Institute um, at, so I didn't know this, but um, even though I went through ROTC and I was doing all this stuff, I, I, like I said before, I, I was not very smart. I didn't even break 950 on my SATs. Um, I got a 940 on my SATs and I took them things like, eight times, like no kidding, like took the pretest at all the, the, the special schools for it and everything and still could never break. Um, and got into VMI, um, did civil engineering there, um, was part of the ROTC at VMI just as a, just as kind of like a, a an extra, not as a, um, as a scholarship. And, um, after my sophomore year, that summer, I went back there. I was at summer school. <laughs> I went to the ROTC instructors. I was like, hey, I want, I, want to, I want to go ahead and get a contract. I want to go ahead and sign the line. I want to go ahead and commit to this. And the ROTC instructor looked at me and was like, hey, sorry, uh, you missed the deadline by, by a few weeks. And I was like, wait, wait, 
what deadline? No one's ever told me any deadline for the last two years. And so the Navy and Marine Corps have this stipulation in ROTC that you have to commit by the end of your sophomore year. The Army and the Air Force don't. As long as you meet all your milestones, you can literally get to like the day before graduation and still get your commission. And I had no idea about this. And I, I was I was just, I was devastated because I just saw my dream just like slipping away. And I was like, well, so I went to a recruiter, uh, ended up going through two or three different recruiters because they were like, hey, look, don't even try. You're not going to get into it. Your grades are too low, like blah, 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 blah. I'm like, listen, I know that SEALs are smart, but they're not, they're not looking at me for my, my grades. They want me for, because I can PT, you know, and they, they want me for this. They don't want me because of my grades. PT is physical training. training. I know. I'm just trying to translate for the rest of us. There you go. Uh, so, you know, it's all these things that just kept coming up like that. And, um, but I, I decided, all right, so I got an, I got a, um, a recruiter and started that path of, of going through ROTC still at VMI, uh, and just learning the school part of it. And then, um, after I graduated from VMI, I had to go to 13 weeks of OCS. So it's another, another little fun, little trip. <laughs> and so what was your specialty in, in the Navy? So because I was an officer, we, we, we don't get specialties like the enlisted guys do where they're snipers or breachers, but even, even within the enlisted community, even though you're a sniper in one platoon, that doesn't mean you're going to be a sniper in the next platoon. Um, so like I was trained in, um, Hearst. So, uh, helo ropes suspension training. So, um, so learning how to fast rope out of helicopters, repelling out of helicopters, uh, spy rigging where they're, you know, the, they've probably seen them a mission impossible where they hang on the, the helicopter and they're underneath the helicopter flying away. Um, all these different, um, things, comms, um, uh, went to a bunch of different shooting schools and driving schools and all these different things. But for the most part, they train you in all these things to just be good at them so that you know how to pick up if, if something goes down. Like I wanted to know how to go. I, I, one of the, one of my senior chiefs told me, Hey, you're going to comm school. And I was, I was like, I don't want to go to comm school, but then I thought about it and it makes sense. Cause I'm going to need to be able to communicate to my higher ups. And if I don't know how to turn on a radio and I don't know how to program a radio, then that means that I'm making some other guy carry my radio for me. And I wasn't mm-hmm. about that. I was like, no, I'm going to carry my own radio. And so I ended up, um, you know, being a little bit different of a ground force commander out there as an officer where, you know, I'd carry my radio with me. And usually what we'd do is I would switch it off and on one, one op, he would carry it one op. I would carry it just because I'd have to carry something else inevitably because, you know, backspace is, is very uh, limited when you're only got 16 guys or so. Right. But um, for seals specifically, you know, we always say, you know, it's a, a jack of all trade and a master of none because one platoon, you might do something and then you deploy and they're like, nope, just kidding. You've trained this whole time as a lead sniper, but I really need you as a medic deployed to this location. And he's like, man, I haven't really been practicing my medic, you know, my medic skills. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's just the nature of the beast within the SEAL community because things happen so fast and in, in a mission changes and it's like, Hey, you're going here. And so guys have to keep up on, on those skills and um, not be, so focused on one thing. That's a good, wow. That's a good this idea. is, this is amazing. I want to, I want to just focus on one little piece and then I'm going to, I'm going to let Joe jump in here. 
going through Bud's training, because I watched one of your, your, your interviews before. And, and again, I've known this because my research and stuff, and I was in the Army Reserves and RTC when I was younger. And, and again, it's just fascinating about ringing the bell. I think psychologically, that's deep, man. That's, you know, one thing to commit to, to going through the Bud's training, but for you to, to drop out, you can't just be like, I'm done. Can you explain the whole concept of the bell and what that's like psychologically to ring that? Well, thankfully, I never had to ring it. So, <laughs> but you've seen other people that did. <laughs> um, actually, you know, but plenty of people did. Like I said, we started off with about 130 guys, and we graduated 19. Um, you know, so plenty of guys. Um, over over 85 percent of the guys, you know, rang that bell. That's 111. And so, I always used hearing that bell ring as motivation. No, tell, tell our audience what that is. Some people. So, so if, if you decide that you're no longer wanting to continue further to continue anymore with the training, you physically have to walk out to this bell that they, that they have, and they'll take it from evolution to evolution with us. They'll carry it with us. I mean, so it's a, it's a, it's, it's a reminder that whatever you're going through, like right now, this suck, all you have to do is walk to that bell, ring it three times and that suck ends, you know? So it could be, you're freezing, you know, in, in the, in the surf zone in San Diego, um, in the middle of the night. And it's like, all you need to do is ring that bell and you get warm blankets, hot food and, you know, everything else and you're done. But obviously you're done training too, as soon as you ring that bell. So the, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's very, it's, uh, it's, it's a very known thing within the community. And even when people want to come there that like, that's your ticket out of there. Right. But it's also, like I said before, for me, it was like, I heard that bell when it would go off and it's like, it's just more motivation. Cause now like, that's just one more guy that, that is, is no longer here. And I know that I'm just, a, I'm just one step closer to making it. You know, mm. I know it kind of sounds, kind of sounds a little dark and some, no, sometimes like, like that, exactly but it just, it I use it as, as fuel and motivation for myself. Mm-hmm. Sounds like exactly what it is. So I love it. Yep. <laughs> So Caleb, in when you went to you know airborne school and and infantry school for the army, like like again, the training is different. But what type of experience did you have, you know, uh, in commitment and perseverance? And how does how does the army, you know, kind of drill that into you? Well, for me, everything was a different mindset. So I was just constantly lying to myself because training sucks. And every step, and I can't even imagine what your training was, Sean, but training sucks. So it's constantly like just lying to yourself. Hey, this doesn't suck. Hey, it's not cold right now. I'm on a beach with a pina colada in my hands. And you're just talking yourself mentally through it and lying to yourself so that your brain isn't playing tricks with you. Because once you let your brain tell you that you're unable to do it and you've reached your limit, then you're done. But realistically, when your brain tells you that you still got 40 to 50% left in you. So it's just constantly just talking yourself through it. Sean, I, that's a very good point. I heard Jesse Itzer talk about a Navy SEAL experience and everything like that. Is, what does the Navy tell you? What do the SEALs tell you that when you think that you are done, um, is it 40% or 50% that you actually really still have in you? What is that number that you've been trained with? I don't know. I mean, honestly, like I never put it to a number. I mean, even though I was an engineer, I never really looked at it like that. I've always known that. Well, and it was, it was drilled into me even further, obviously in, in, in the SEAL team and, and training that 
no matter what, as soon as I tell myself I can do it, I'm, I can do it, right? My mind, my body will go anywhere that my mind says, go do it. And, and even though Bud's was, you know, supposed to be, and Bud's is, is one step in the process. I was colder, I was more tired, and I was wet and miserable more in some training evolutions than I ever was in butts. You know, it's like, you, you think about it, it's like, that's just a setup for even more suck. So they have to, they have to know and have to let you know that your body and mind can do it. Because seriously, when you go into some of these training evolutions and you're out, uh, you know, we were in, um, we were in Nevada for one of these like three day uh, special reconnaissance missions that we did. It was a training evolution, but it was like negative 20 degrees at night and it was freezing cold. We were on top of a mountain, freezing our butt off, snowing like crazy. And seriously, it was the coldest I've ever been. And then a few months later, fast forward, I'm in Chad, Africa, and it's 138 degrees, the hottest I've ever been. You know, and it's like, I'm out in this desert for months running around out here. And I'm like, golly, like, you know, you wouldn't, you know, you just go from those extremes and your mind is so powerful. It's just so hard to try to put a a number on it and say, well, you know, when you think you're giving up, you got, you got 20 more percent left. I've always just think it's like, you can't even look at it that way. It's just like, I'm going. Yeah phenomenal stuff and this is these are the kind of things that again most human beings don't subject themselves to on purpose uh let alone like when it happens by accident right and that's why when people get caught in situations uh i just believe mentally they're not ready for it it's a shame uh you know but you know whether it's poverty whether it's you know even if you talk about something positive how weldon long talks about your uh thermostat right when something's going great you know you find a way to mess it up when something's going bad you find a way to get it back to whatever your normal, uh, whatever you're used to. Uh, but most people just can't deal with extenuating circumstances, whatever they are. People are like, oh my gosh, LA, if I was blind, I don't know what I would do. Like, you'd figure it the hell out. That's what it's, what you're supposed to do. So we're going to be right back. We're talking to Sean Matson, y'all. This is the radio show. Kiss all eyes. After these messages. Do you have scars, stretch marks, cuts, burns? Did you just have surgery or you're about to have surgery? Well, Scarfood is a series of products and creams designed specifically to nourish and repair scars. Scarfood has helped tens of thousands of patients worldwide repair and heal their scars. Follow Scarfood LLC on Instagram or go to scarfood.com and send us a product advice form along with photos and let our scar experts tell you exactly what you need to feed and heal those scars. It's the Against All Eyes Radio Show. Against All Eyes Radio You should show. check out our website. Or find us on Facebook. Or Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. We even got a YouTube channel. Hey world, this is Sean V. Bradley, and if you need to buy a new or pre-owned car and want to have the best, most convenient experience ever, get full transparency, the absolute lowest price, no stress, best customer service, well, I highly recommend car.com. From nothing to everything. I like it. I love it. I want more of it. You feel me? I like it. I love it. I want more of it. 
Yeah, that's right, man. This is fire right here. We got two amazing, you know, uh, combat veterans up in here. One from the Navy SEALs, Sean Matson, and we got one from the United States, you know, Army Airborne Paratrooper, Joe Kalitz. So, Sean, I, let's talk about this training. Um, I did some research, and, and and please correct me if I'm wrong. What is the amount of money that the United States government it, like values, you know, a Navy SEAL? I came up with a half a million dollars, but it's got to be more than that. Like, if you think about all the training as a, as a Navy officer, how much money do you think the United States, you know, uh, military invested in you? Yeah, it's it's well over. It's it's probably a couple million dollars easily between between the training. Um, and then you throw in some of the gear and things like that. It's, it's a couple million dollars easily per, per guy. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to even try to put in. I mean, some of the, some of the, some of the training just, you know, a couple weeks that we would go to would be a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, for, for every guy, you know, so, you know, you know, and there's 20 guys in there. So you're talking $10,000 for the week just for us to go do something. So, I mean, it's, it's expensive. But so my point being is this, is that the United States military and the United States government feels that there is value. Price is only relevant with the absence of value. So if they want to have the most elite combat soldier on planet Earth, right, and that, that would be the Navy SEAL in, in, in most people's opinion, then it's you can't half-ass it. You can't, you know, be basic about it, right? And so, Joe, I'm going to ask you the same question, you know, Kalitz, for, for the Army, when you think of all the training for a paratrooper from an airborne infantry person, you know, approximately, you know, the gear and, and all that stuff, you know, what do you think that, 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 that revenue is? Well, just the initial training is on the upside from what I've researched, 200,000, but that doesn't include all of the additional ongoing training because in the military, training isn't something you did. Training is something that you do. It, it doesn't end. It doesn't stop. Sounds so again, familiar. this is not my expertise. That's why I've got two combat veterans on the show right now to talk about this. But as a trainer in my real you know, profession, as a, as a national high-level trainer, I try to convince my clients that they need to practice drill and rehearse. You know, if you look at, and I use Navy SEAL as an example, if you look at a Navy SEAL uh, you know, officer or, or soldier or sailor, and you look at a, an Olympic athlete, like a gold medalist in, in the Olympics, I don't even care, even if it's ping pong, whatever it is, if you're a gold medalist in the Olympics, you're badass. You've 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 perfected your craft. Can you tell me from from the words of a Navy SEAL how important is it to practice, drill, and rehearse and master your craft? Yeah, I mean, I, I just to your point, right? So something as simple as drawing your weapon out of my holster, I probably did that hundred thousand times. A, a simple action of just pulling a pistol out of a holster. You know, not, we're not even talking shooting. It's just pulling it out to get the mechanics down properly so that I was as, as efficient and as, um, as effective as possible. So the least amount of movements and so that I could do it in my sleep. I could do it with my eyes closed. I could do it when 10 other things are happening because I knew the simple basics, right? Because that's what it happens. That's what happens when, when you really understand, like when you master something is you know how to do it when everything else is going to hell and you can focus on that one little simple task because it, it because it comes down to a simple basic movement because you've mastered that so much. Huh. 
It's my so, name. Yeah, yeah, man, this is this is exciting. Watch where I'm going to go with this interview on here. This is this is deep for me as a trainer, as, as a coach, because unfortunately, too many people try to take shortcuts. You can't take shortcuts to be a Navy SEAL. You can't take shortcuts to be an Olympic gold athlete. You got to put into that work. I had a question for both of you guys. Have you guys been, I'm assuming you have, trained in, 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 in close quarters combat to be able to go into a small space with your, your team, like, can you talk about that? What type of training that is? Because I've obviously seen stuff on YouTube and on Discovery Channel, but what what is that like to be able to go into with a unit to, in a close quarter combat situation and practice and drill rehearse? Like, how much do you have to be in sync with your team to be effective and stay alive? Uh, you have to be completely in sync because nine times out of ten, you're not using verbal communication. You're just going off of touching, feeling, and then just your training, knowing that the other person with you and all the other members of your team are going to be in the right places at the right time. Yeah. There's, there's no chance of, and, and just like what Joe said, right. You're doing it, it. It becomes a choreographed movement where everybody is in sync. And I don't even, you get to the point where you do it so many times. I don't even need to wait for his signal. I already know by just him either, slowly lowering his weapon down or just a movement of how he does, he's going a certain way or he's doing this. He's already going to step two. So I know I need, I can already go to step two. So it literally becomes this fluid movement. Now, again, it doesn't start that way. It starts with everybody talking daylight, very slow. And then it goes to, you know, only one person talking faster then it goes to nobody talking then it goes to nighttime you know and then at nighttime you start you you reset everything everybody talking and then one person talking so you like as you increase things and then you go nighttime you know with external assets flying overhead bombs being dropped all these things like this that are all these distractions that happen to where you're able to do this now in a combat situation at dark at night with nobody talking and everybody literally just moving as a one sync, like choreographed movement. Wow, this is absolute fire because it's crazy. I actually have a, a video on my YouTube channel of me training upside down. People are like, oh my gosh, I can't do it, LA, because I'm on the spot. Or LA, I can't do it because you're around. Or LA, I can't do it because they find reasons to say that they can't do it because it's too hot, too cold, too that. And then for you to just lay that out like that, that's real training, man. That's what I'm talking about. This is fire, Sean. Go ahead, man, because this is, you guys are rolling. I'm loving it. 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 So, Sean, again, on this trajectory right here, for, for me, if you want to be great or the best at something, you have to practice drill and rehearse. Okay, transition point right here is, uh, the, the, if I'm correct, right, Navy SEALs, they call the teams, right? And, and the reason why I bring that up is that if you ever read The Seven Habits of High Effective People, Dr. Covey says there's three mental maturities. You have codependent dependent people, you've got independent people, and then you've got interdependent people. Interdependency is the highest level of maturity and the highest level of effectiveness. Those days of Rambo are, are not real. You know, elite combat units have teams. And so how important is it not only to be a badass at what you do as a sniper, as, as, as whatever your MOS is, but specifically how you operate in conjunction with that team. Can you talk about the team mentality? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, like you just said, right. That, that interdependent part of it is, 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 is key because if, if I was a sniper on an op and I took a shot before 
everybody else was set, then everything else falls apart, right? And and so it's not just this first order effect, it's a second, third, fourth, and fifth. And everybody understands their position, but also understands everybody else's next move. And that's what I was saying, like it, it's rehearsing and training. And then you train with these people so many times because never is that mission, does that mission go off 100% correctly, right? So it's, it's, it's knowing how to have that structure, but also that structure allows that freedom of movement because I know that I've mastered that basic. I've mastered the simplest form of it and said, okay, I'm going to get to point A and I know Sean's going to get to point A and then that kicks off this point two and then that kicks off this and it goes like that. But, and then all of a sudden the enemy injects something else and says, okay, Hey, now what's next step? Everybody reads off everybody else. And and again, goes back to that, that choreographed movement of getting everything down so that you're a mission success when it's all said and done. So Joe, same, same question statement to you. How important is it in the 82nd airborne to be part of a team and you're working synergistically together? It's super crucial. So one of the things we also did, and I'm sure uh, while Sean talked about it earlier is also the cross training aspect because you can never fully understand what someone else on your team has to go through to accomplish their objective, unless you understand what their goal and what they have to do on a day-to-day basis or for that mission is. So one of the things we did was we would have the least proficient member of that team train on that subject. Um, This way here, everyone, including themselves, had a better knowledge of the machine gunner. This is what they have to do so that when things go wrong, you have a better understanding of how they're going to operate so that you can get in sync and have everything work perfectly. Hey, Joe, I want to, I want to bring up on something else just to that point, right? How many times did you ever say, or like the training cell that was training, you would, would tap someone out and say, Hey, they usually pick on the leaders, right? Like they're, they, they know you can lead. So they'll put you down and then say, Hey, junior guy, brand new guy to the team. Hey, you're in charge, make it happen. And right now you see this guy who's literally been at the team or unit, maybe weeks, just start dripping in sweat going, I got to get everybody out of here safely and under control. And guess what? They figure it out and they get it done because they have to, they know that they have to. Now, did they get it done as, as effectively as the officer or, or the person who's in charge? No. But the, the point is, is they just learned a huge value in that team that there might come a time when everybody else is out and they're the one that has to go do what they have to do. And they can step up and know that, Hey, I've already done this. And I've got a little bit of cred now. I can, I can, I can make it happen if I have to. And, and you know that the even crazier thing is, this is something I'm doing as a director of operations at Dealer Synergy, having that cross training so that everything, no matter what happens, everything will go according to plan. So it translates to the business world. So, so guys, both again being combat veterans here, there's a whole difference between the boardroom and, and being under, you know, having enemy fire. I mean, that's a whole different perspective. How do you, let's, I'm going to ask Sean and, and Joe a follow-up answer here is how do you train somebody for a combat situation? From my understanding, you try to bring them through the training with as close to real 
environment as possible, like live rounds, you know, bombs blasted that way that if they're in a combat situation, they don't, they don't, they don't lose their ish, but still that's a whole different mental, you know, state to know that you are going into a hot zone where people's lives are online by every decision you make. That's pressure. How do you deal with that much pressure and fear or all those emotions, Sean? Yeah. I mean, you can never, you can never hundred percent replicate combat. Right. And, and we train off of the techniques and procedures that we're getting back from the, from the battlefield. And so people are telling us, Hey, these are the new tactics that the enemy are using. So, you know, our training cells and training cadre, they're, they're adapting and changing these things. But ultimately, again, you can't always replicate that. So there is always an element that it's not going to be perfect and, and no mission ever is. You make it as realistic as possible and add in as, as much realism as possible, but there's still, sometimes it's like, Hey, we didn't always have helicopters. So what did we use? We used vans that we pretended were helicopters, but we treated that, that van like it was a helicopter, right? And, and everybody, we, we would always say, flip on, put on your movie hat for a second, right? And just flip on your movie hat, pretend we're in a helicopter, you know, blah, 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 and drive that way and, and, and do exactly what you would do when you get out of the helicopter, you know, and do the exact same movements because that's the only way you train. You go through the same thing. I would unclip, pretending I was unclipping from, from the helicopter deck and getting out, stepping out and feeling that rotor wash behind my head and everything. So I, I put all of that realism into the training and, and everybody has to do this so they know what's going to happen when you go do it for real. Mm. Callets. Yeah, and Sean touched on it a little bit earlier. It's the escalation of the training. So you're not immediately going to go, okay, we're going live fire, you know, training. You start with the basics and then you step up to using blanks and then you do daytime uh, with live ammunition and then you reset to start it all over again at night and you start just a walkthrough. Then you start working with blank rounds and then you escalate to live rounds so that you can then replicate the most likely situation to what you will be in, even though, you know, it'll never happen exactly that way. But when things do happen, you just work off a reflex. Think of walking up the stairs. You, you never think of it. It's ingrained into you. You just walk up the steps. Now it's the same thing with how we train to get to that where it's just second nature. Fun, fun redirect right here. So in the 82nd, you were static line jumps. And I heard you say, Sean, obviously with the, with the halo jumps. So there's a difference. Can you explain to the audience, you know, uh, Sean, the difference between a static line jump versus what you were doing in the seals? Yeah. So static line jump would be your, you actually have your line attached to the airframe. So it has like a cable that runs through. And so as soon as you jump out of the, that helicopter or, uh, or C C-130 or airplane or whatever, basically it's automatically pulling your parachute straight out from you. So that's a static line. Um, a military free fall, hey ho, halo, um, high altitude, low opening or high altitude, high opening, depending on which one it is. Um, you're, you're physically jumping out, you're skydiving out of the airplane or helicopter flying down for some, some distance and then physically going to pull your, your chute out. So, uh, that, that's the difference between the two static line or, um, free fall. 
I just had a curiosity. I'm going to ask Joe this follow-up question too, Joe. So get ready. So for you, Sean, is there anything that you were like freaked out about? Like, I mean, like, cause again, like, I'd like to think I'm a badass. I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying? I grew up like crazy out there, but in the streets, but man, like jumping out of an airplane into the water and, and scuba diving, I just, that sounds like that's some Navy SEAL-ish. You know what I mean? So is there anything that you, you thought like in training, like, well, maybe this, this is crazy. Any of this to you was like, man, this is crazy. Or were you just a gentleman junkie and loved it all? So um, yes, a adrenaline junkie, but I will tell you the one thing that always gave me a pucker factor was <laughs> helicopter fast roping. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, typically the highest you'd go is about 90 feet, but I, I've, I've seen too many training videos. And, and that's one reason why I wanted to be a, a hearse master, which is the guy that controls who's going out the door <laughs> is I just saw too many things could go wrong because you're grabbing onto this rope in front of your face that's only a couple inches around through night vision goggles. So basically take toilet paper tubes and put on your eyeballs and you can't see in front of your face. You lose all your depth perception and you're reaching out of a helicopter with no security thing whatsoever. So if that helicopter shifts in any way or anything like that, you've literally fall 90 feet or however high the, uh, the helicopter is elevating. So that, that always gave me a pucker factor. Like I still to this day, like I would much rather jump out of an airplane at 30,000 feet than, than fly in a helicopter and go fast roping out 90 feet. <laughs> what about you, Kalitz? Well, my first time jumping out of a plane, there was a good like three seconds where I'm like, man, what the heck am I doing with my life? But after that, my first jump, it literally started downpouring and a gust of wind came and we're only jumping at nine to twelve hundred feet. So after that, I hit the ground. I like suction cupped into the mud down there in Georgia. And I was like, well, I don't think any other situation could be worse than this next time I jump out. So after that, it it just started becoming second nature. He says only nine to twelve hundred feet. This stuff is absolutely amazing. I hope everyone is enjoying themselves. This is the Kiss All Eyes Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Did you know that Car.com is a website to connect consumers like you, me, our parents, basically everybody, to local car dealers? Car.com helps us find that perfect vehicle. From new vehicles to certified pre-owned, Car.com will help you find the best vehicle match. Car.com practically started the online car shopping experience. Peace of mind and finding your perfect vehicle, it's what they do. Car.com. We do the research, you do the driving. Get started getting that peace of mind today at Car.com. Do you have scars, stretch marks, cuts, burns? Did you just have surgery or you're about to have surgery? Well, Scarfood is a series of products and creams designed specifically to nourish and repair scars. Scarfood has helped tens of thousands of patients worldwide repair and heal their scars. Follow Scarfood LLC on Instagram or go to scarfood.com and send us a product advice form along with photos and let our scar experts tell you exactly what you need to feed and heal those scars. Hey, first of all, let me thank everyone for tuning into our radio show every weekend. But if you're looking for more interactivity, make sure you download Clubhouse and follow Sean V. Bradley and the Blind Master. We're on every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. From nothing to everything. Wow, America, you hear this? We got Navy SEALs. We got paratroopers. Again, I told you it's safe. I wish would come try to step to this building today. All right. So now. All right. So. 
first of all, it's just mind blowing the, the conversation that we've had and, and you guys are just dropping some tremendous nuggets. And I didn't want to minimize this, but when Sean started the interview up with, you know, being dyslexic and having problems and this, that, and I'm thinking, man, I mean, like you give us normal people hope, you know what I mean? Like, cause you were like the, the $2 million man, like literally, <laughs> you know, the United States government has invested over $2 million in your elite training. And they did that in spite of everything else. That's, that's amazing. So that means that us regular people have a shot at, at, at just some awesomeness, but, but me and Joe Kalitz have talked about this before. Unfortunately, this is something that's really deep to me is that it really breaks my heart that there are veterans that come home and, and for various reasons, where it's, whether it's PTSD or it's, but it's frustration that, that they, they choose to end their life. And part of it I've heard is because they, it's hard to readjust. It's try, it's hard to, you know, find a, a, a career and stuff like that. And I just think it's, it's horrific, honestly, gentlemen, because if you serve our country and you've done all that, all that sacrifice and all the stuff that I cannot even fathom, you know, it's a shame that, you know, you can't transition to, to civilian life and into a career and be able to provide for your family. So, so Joe, am I talking wrong or is this a real issue? It, it is a real issue. I actually, the hardest thing I had when transitioning into the civilian life, I, I jumped out of planes and shotguns for six years. So when I was trying to move on to my professional career outside the military, I didn't know how to properly articulate how jumping out of planes and shoot guns will help me help your business. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I went back to school to get my master's degree. And it wasn't until all of my schooling that I was able to find the right way to explain how the military and the values, the work ethic, don't quit till the job is done, uh, integrity and so on and so forth. Leadership as well translates into the business world. Um, Sean, what, what kind of advice do you have being a, a business leader to veterans getting out and how to explain how their skills in the military translates. Yeah. Yeah. So the, for me, I mean, you know, I think the transition was, was very difficult first off, you know, like real quick uh, backstory of myself. So I planned on, you know, having a career. I planned on retiring as a SEAL doing my 20 years. I planned to go to, so, you know, even, even the, uh, another elite team within the SEAL teams and, and pursue that as well. But I went through a divorce, um, you know, and, and, and well, I was separated and, and kind of just saw the writing on the wall. My, I had two kids um, with my now ex-wife and saw this on my last appointment and just said, I, I cannot do both. I can't be a father and um, a part-time dad going through this divorce. That is, and so I made the decision, okay, I need to, I need to transition. During my transition, um, I had a job set up, ready to go. I was going to basically do my same job in the reserves as active duty reserve. Um, and just to give myself some time to figure out what I was going to do next. That got stripped out from underneath me a couple of weeks before making that transition off of active duty. So I went unemployed for three months, um, racked up a ton of debt, probably almost $100,000 in debt, just from trying to make sure I could continue to pay for my, my kids and towards my ex-wife and everything else like that. Um, just, you know, unemployed, broke, really lost. Cause I'm like, what, what am I supposed to do? I started Uber driving. I started doing anything I could to make a buck because wow. I just, I was, I didn't know where to go when we had Mapbox at the time and we were starting to kind of grow this thing, but it wasn't at a level to bring us in yet. And 
I ultimately heard this and it's something that resonates with me and what I tell as I, as I hire new people into our organization, I ask them and say, you know, we always talk about what, what's, what's your why, what's your why. And I said, you know, people like search all day long. All right. So let me break it down. Very simple. In less than three sentences, what do you want your tombstone to say? And, and someone asked me that and I said, dang, all right. You know, and for me, I, I took that and said, my, my first is my work. I want my work to make an impact. I want my working out to inspire other people. And then from third, and obviously not my last, but is my family. My family is extremely important to me. So I want to make sure that I can lead each one of my family members to be the best version of themselves. And so for me, it's my work, my working out, my family. Those are my three things that I want on my tombstone. If anybody sees on my tombstone that I love the New York Giants football team, then I failed as a human being, right? <laughs> that, that was to me as immediate failure. And so I could always put on there and say, what do I not want to be known for first, right? Like, I don't want to be known for that I love sports or anything else like that. I want to be known for these three things, which is my work, my working out, my family. That is nice. Wow. That's nice right there. Wow. So are you telling me that there is there's a deficiency when you think you come out of the, you know, the military or something like that, and there's a deficiency in helping them to communicate how they're going to provide value in the everyday world? I mean, is that like a business we need to start? I mean, I don't know. Y'all tell me what's going on here. <laughs> so LA, I, so I think some so so it's 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 two pronged, I think. Some of it is the service member's fault right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is absolutely the service member's fault, right? Because they see themselves as, hey, man, I was a breacher. All I know how, is, all I know how to do is open up doors and, 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 you know, blow up stuff. And it's like, no, man, you were a breacher, part of a SEAL team that did some of the most elite operations in the world. And oh, by the way, you know how to run that operation. You know how to keep everybody safe. And, and so they, they just don't understand that the, the, what they were trained in absolutely translate into the business world. Wow. Whether they want to be an entrepreneur or go work for someone else, they know simple things like leadership. They know how to organize teams. They know how to um, uh, obviously do uh, math because they know how to do calculations, not to blow people up. Right. <laughs> so, you know, these little things like that, that it's just process a, driven, standard yeah. operating process driven, exactly. communications, you know, there's a myriad of different things, but that's the, that's the thing that blows me away is that I would just assume that if you're in the freaking Navy SEALs, that, 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 that sky's the limit that you guys, when you retire, you're either doing government work or consulting work, or you're rich to hear that you did the Uber thing. Like it yeah, blows that, me away. Absolutely. So, so Sean, here's, and again, so that's why I said it's two pronged, right? Some is on the service member. The other part is is the services themselves stuck at what they've offered. Guess what my number one job placement was when I took all the assessment tests. So they have all these different tests and things like that to say, hey, when you transition, this is going to be your job. This should be your job that you should be looking for. Guess, guess what they told me mine was going to be? Tell us. I have no idea. I can't even. A truck driver. Wow. This so is I'm an officer in the SEAL teams who've done multiple deployments across the world. And you're telling me that my number one job that I should be applying for right now is a truck driver? That's now listen, crazy. I love truck drivers and I, right. I respect them for what they do. But the whole reason I'm getting out of the SEAL team is so I don't have to travel, right? right. Like that was <laughs> yeah, like 
I'm not afraid of the hard work that truck drivers have to do, but like, that's not what I wanted to do. Like, how did you miss the boat mm. on that? So, so Sean, what I want to be able to understand is take your, your life experience up till now. I mean, talk about the Navy, the teams, um, you know, civilian life, entrepreneur. Can you give our audience, what are Sean Matson's life success tips? Okay, so let's, I want to pick your brain for the next like two or three minutes. Just start hammering some, some nuggets. You know, if you're going to try to develop me, whether it's for parents, it's for relationships, it's for business, it's for, it's for veterans. Just give me just, you know, brother, I have so much respect for you. And if the United States military poured millions of dollars into you, your own natural experience, you got so much to say. So kill us with it. Action will beat inaction 100% of the time. I don't care if you go in the wrong direction. It does not matter. If you start moving today, whatever it is, you're going to be successful. And the reason is, is because, you know, people talk about success as being, uh, you know, uh, uh, all these failures. I disagree. I think failure is inaction. Mm. And, and, and I think success is a series of lessons learned. And so the only way you get those lessons is by movement. You have to put one foot forward to get that, to get those lessons learned. And, and I've always said it is action will always beat inaction hundred percent of the time. And, and I've never been in a situation when I didn't put my, one foot forward and start moving. Did I not learn something to better myself and to help other people in that? So that would be, that would be the first thing is, is just, just move, be active. That's okay. so good. <laughs> Keep it going. We'll give us one more. So uh, the other, the other is, you know, kind of in that same line, right. Is, is treat people the way you want to be treated. Right. And mm -hmm. I, and I'm very much, this is how we run our business. This is how we do customer service. Every aspect of our business is, is just treating people the way they want to be treated. So simple things of, um, you know, acts, acts of kindness or just listening to those people. And so one example we had in our organization, we had a lady that just started working for us. She, she, she was late a couple times and we were trying to figure out, you know, what's going on, you know, come to find out she had a couple hundred dollars in unpaid parking tickets and, and like a, uh, uh, an expired registration without question. My director of operations said, Hey, give me all those bills. I'm paying them off. That's the last thing you need to be worried about right now is, is those bills, right? I need you focused on making sure you're here so you can make a paycheck so you can provide for your family. I will pay those off. And I mean, literally just tears in her eyes. Like, why would you do that for me? I've only been here for a little bit. And she's like, because it's the right thing to do, you know? Mm. And, and, and then like, you know, our director of operations came to me and, and my, my co-founder Zach and was like, Hey, just so you know, I did this. And I was like, you know, yeah, without question, like, you know, that's just, again, we train that and we teach that in our organization and that's part of our culture too. Speak of that for your team, like again, it's it's crazy to imagine being a, a Navy SEAL, not only a Navy SEAL, but a freaking officer in the teams. To what type of training do you train your employees? Like, what are your 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 mission, vision, values? What what is really important? I understand treat people with respect, um, uh, be kind. I got that, but give us some other things that are important for your business. Yeah. So, I mean, all of our products are, are going to the front line. Oh, and one of the products is cardio, is cardio, cardio max, right? Yeah. Cardio max. So it's a cardio supplement max. company. Yep. And, and what we developed with the, the supplements is um, we figured out how to take all these powdered ingredients and emulsify them into liquids because um, your body consumes liquids better than they do powders. So why not get you, supplements in a liquid form. So that's what we developed in that. But 
when you look at getting these products to the soldiers, sailors, Marines, we had to figure out how to logistically get them to them and make it cheap on, on the government to ship it to them or us to ship it to them. So we did it in small, like basically ketchup packets. So they're single served. And so we don't have to worry about shipping all this excess water weight because most of the chemistry in a supplement, it can be concentrated down into very small form. So um, getting those out to guys, but you know, that, uh, is always part of our main mission is how do we get our products to the soldiers, sailors, Marines downrange in these austere locations, knowing that our products, once they leave our facility, they are going to somewhere downrange to support our actions down there. Wow. That's amazing. So, man, this has been phenomenal. Uh, again, I really appreciate uh, your time. Uh, I, here's an interesting question because I can't imagine, I'm excited to hear this answer. <laughs> what are you the most proud of career wise and then personal? So two proud moments. So again, in your service for, for the, for the military, what are you the proudest of? Career wise. Um, when we got one of our, our first medical litter that we ever got back from one of the seal teams that came back from Afghanistan, it's still hanging up in our office today. It's all ripped to shreds, but we knew that it saved a guy's life. So that's career-wise. Hold on. The rest of it is going to come on the podcast. Make sure y'all listening. Hey, world. This is Sean V. Bradley. And if you need to buy a new or pre-owned car and want to have the best, most convenient experience ever, get full transparency, the absolute lowest price, no stress, best customer service, well, I highly recommend car.com. Do you have scars, stretch marks, cuts, burns? Did you just have surgery or you're about to have surgery? Well, ScarFood is a series of products and creams designed specifically to nourish and repair scars. ScarFood has helped tens of thousands of patients worldwide repair and heal their scars. Follow ScarFood LLC on Instagram or go to scarfood.com and send us a product advice form along with photos and let our scar experts tell you exactly what you need to feed and heal those scars. Did you know that car.com is a website to connect consumers like you, me, our parents, basically everybody to local car dealers? Car.com helps us find that perfect vehicle. From new vehicles to certified pre-owned, car.com will help you find the best vehicle match. Car.com practically started the online car shopping experience. Peace of mind and finding your perfect vehicle, it's what they do. Car.com, we do the research, you do the driving. Get started getting that peace of mind today at car.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Against All Eyes radio show, the podcasted version. So Sean had a phenomenal question. He was ta- asking Sean the other question. Sean Bradley asked Sean Matson, you know, about some of the things that he was most proud of. So he gave us a career moment. Uh, now, I guess what we want him to go in the um, the family version. Yeah, now? on a personal level, what are you the most proud of? Like your 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 some of your life so far. I, what you said before about the tombstone thing is is beautiful, man. So I just want to give you the opportunity to share some of the things i mean you served your your country with honor and distinguishment so on a personal level what what, what are you the most proud of so uh, continually with my family right like i very proud to you know continually push them and lead them you know and obviously it's not uh, not easy um i've got um uh, my wife samantha she's constantly beside me helping to push us together um you know we have we have uh one kid together now we've got another one on the way and then obviously my uh-huh. my two other kids from my previous marriage but i'll tell you one quick story that that is something that i love to share and just your kids 
absolutely mimic everything you do and say. And we always hear that, right? And, and a couple years ago, my daughter came inside and I was doing something in here. And um, when I talk about my three things, right? Like I, 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 I time management and everything, but I also, if something comes up and they say, hey dad, I want to play with you or hey dad, this, I stop what I'm doing to go play with them because I know I'm not going to get that time back. You know, and same thing, like I try to, when I'm playing with them, I focus on that. So I hyper-focus everything onto those three areas that I talked about earlier. But um, this for me, my daughter came in and said, hey, dad, can I take some of these rocks in our, we have a couple, uh, these like river rocks on the side of our driveway. She said, hey, can I take these rocks and um, paint some of them? And I was like, yeah, sure, Shelby, go ahead. You know, like I said, she's, she's 11 now. This was a few years ago. I think she was eight or nine. And um, a few minutes later, she comes running back in. She's like, dad, can I get some more? I was like, yeah, Shelby, sure. I was like, what are you doing with these? And so about an hour left, about an hour, she came back in and she's like, dad, I made 38 bucks. I was like, you made 38 bucks doing what? And she was like, I took those, I took the rocks and walked them to all of our neighbors. I painted them. And I sold them to our neighbors. And I was like, all right, that apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I'm really proud of you. And I was like, <laughs> now, here's what I'm going to show you a little bit of business. I'm going to need 30 of those bucks back because you just sold my rocks. And she was like, that's not fair. <laughs> I was like, guess what? That's cost of goods right there that you owe me. And so it, it was just a fun thing that we got to do in that. But now she's got that inner mentality. Whenever she's looking to do stuff, she she wants to do it. I mean, it it's it's such a simple principle that she will now know for the rest of her life. Man, I I love it. I got That's a couple fine. more questions for you because I know LA's got a hard stop. Okay, these are these are like civilian people questions, right? Because our listeners mostly are not Navy SEALs or paratroopers. Okay, when you see movies like Black Hawk Down and things like that, like, like, what is that like? Because you you are a Navy SEAL officer. And it, like, is that like, can you watch movies like that? Or are they exciting? Or are they uh, or are they like stressful? Or like what? Like, seriously? Um, so I mean, sometimes they're, they're sometimes they're stressful. Sometimes they're emotional. Sometimes, you know, I mean, it kind of goes, I do watch them. I do enjoy them. I, you know, I look at them as entertainment, you know, because right. that's what they are. Um, I really do enjoy watching the TV show SEAL Team. Um, you know, some of our products on Mapbox are are on the show. Um, actually, I just saw an episode the other night, and I was like, I was like, I went back rewind. I was like, Hey, babe, look, that's that's our product. And she was like, <laughs> You're such a dork. I was like, Well, you know, it is. You know, it's like you're hearing your song for the first time. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt, brother. You normally don't interrupt a Navy SEAL, but like, I think that's the only time in my life I would ever think of a dork and a Navy SEAL in the same <laughs> sentence, just for the exactly. record. Yeah. So, only the wife can say it. Navy SEAL. The, yeah. the wife, only the wife could say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so now, are they accurate though? So can you share with like, like again- Yeah, what's the realest know? one and the fakest one? I want to kind of yes. like, no. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, let's be positive. And if you want to share the fakest one, great. But what would you say as far as movies or shows, what would you say is the actual closest to real SEAL reality that you'd say? So, I mean- Steel Team has done a great job. The TV show has done a great job uh, showing um, real-world missions that have happened mm-hmm. um, as, I think, as accurately as they can portray without giving up, you know, a lot of the, you know, kind of sensitive uh, information in that in the, in the operations. But they've done a great job with that. They've got um, great uh, advisors for it. Um, you know, a movie like Act of Valor, 
right, was yes. was developed as a recruitment tool. So when we talked earlier today, you know, about how, you know, when you think of special operations and things like that, a lot of people think and just say SEALs. SEALs have spent a ton of money promoting and using those things as marketing vehicles. So mm. they want more people to, you know, to apply and more people and it, it has helped, right? It's, it's why, you know, I mean, it's, it's the basic marketing principle, right? The more you hear something, the more you see something, the more people that want to go do it and the more people that know about it. Right. And it, and it comes with the good and the bad with it. Right. So, um, but it, it was developed as, as that marketing tool. Um, you know, so all of them, all of them have, you know, Hollywood flair to them. Yeah. They have to, um, you know, the, the, in SEAL team, when, when they're, when they're on their handheld radios talking, you know, miles away, BS, that does not happen. Comms is like the hardest thing to make. And it's like, you know, it's not like your cell phone when you could pick it up and, and talk everywhere. You know, it's like, uh, 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 and you're like, God, I hate this thing. And it's like, this is 20, you know, 2020. Why don't I have something like my cell phone where I could just pick up and talk and we're clear. It's not that simple. Okay. Call of That's Duty. Interesting. Do you, do you play Call of Duty? I do. I absolutely do. Hold yeah. on. I want to rock out with an, listen, are yeah. you on PS5 or Xbox? Xbox. So, okay. So what's your, what's your call sign on there? Megatron 7325. Megatron okay. seven. Say it again. Megatron. 7325. 7325. So mine Megatron is going to be one of my, one of my call signs. Uh, when we were going through training and it's uh, mega M E G A T R O N, right? Okay, listen, I would be honored to be able to play Call of Duty with the freaking Navy SEAL officer. That is just, oh, yeah. this is awesome. Just so, just so we're clear, <laughs> not the same thing as real world. So when yeah. I get shot, just remember, it's not the same thing. <laughs> do you get into it though? Is it, is it kind of fun just like as just entertainment playing Call of Duty? Yeah, you know, I do. And I, I play with a couple of buddies of mine that, that are actually still active and other things like that. And, and really, it's just it's just a way to just to kind of decompress and do something. I usually do it later at nighttime after I'm kind of done with the day. And instead of sitting there watching TV and just getting annoyed with, you know, news and everything else like that, I'll jump on for an hour or two and just kind of decompress. Which is your favorite uh, Call of Duty game? Is you like the new one, Modern Warfare, Black Ops or... So I just got back into it about a year ago. So okay. uh, I've just been into Warzone. Uh, Warzone. Oh yeah, that's yeah the battle uh, royale. I've really stuff. really been enjoying that and and just the, the the multiplayer aspect of it. But like you know, Joe, you probably know like when you were deployed and stuff like that. Like guys, that's what we would do to decompress. We play Halo. We play Call of Duty. We play these different things just as a, a you know again something to pass some time because it's literally just. You're, you're eating, you're working out, you're sleeping, you're on missions, or you're playing video games. <laughs> All right, my, my last question is this, is throughout this interview with you, you are extremely articulate, extremely talented, and, and just so diverse, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. from, from your military background, to your entrepreneur background, to your mindset, um, like, do you have any plans? Because you're a young man, you know what I mean? I'm looking at you, I don't even know how old you are, but you're young. And do you have plans to be like a technical consultant, you know, to, in Hollywood or to write a book or like, you know, what does your future look like? You've been a successful entrepreneur, but do you want to be able, because I mean, everybody's excited about Navy SEALs and things like that. Or do you, do you, is that in your heart that you want to be able to, to do more about that or tell us? No, it's, it's really not like my, okay. my, <clears throat> I, you know, 
I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy coaching. I don't enjoy, um, you know, I, I do maybe on like a one-on-one or, you know, one-off type thing, but what I'm really passionate about is developing new products. I, I really, so we're, we're on our fourth company. Cardamax is our fourth company right now. You know, we, we did, um, we did almost 10 million last year in, in, in revenue. Um, you know, we're, we will absolutely surpass that this year. I mean, we've got, we've got a couple, uh, a couple orders pending right now from Mapbox that, that almost reached that right there. So, I mean, it, it's just, it's just awesome. I love developing products. I love getting them to the market. Um, you know, right now, like I said, you know, the one that's kind of near and dear to my heart is the one that we just launched, which is Cardomax, uh, supplement company. We've already, in less than three months, we've already uh, shipped almost six thousand orders out right now. I mean, it is it is skyrocketing. Is this because I heard you say this product is for for uh, soldiers and for that? Is it also for civilians as well? Yep. So we we, we developed it so because the military, you know, it's got to do their due diligence and 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 everything, and it's going to take some time to get there. We developed these formulas so that we could get them to the military. But right now they're available for the civilian population or soldier, sailors, Marines that want to buy them on an individual level. We don't have the certifications yet to sell to the government, um, but those will all come. I mean, we know how to do that. I've got some ideas for you. I, I don't know if you know how much my background, but I wrote an international bestselling book called Win the Game of Googleopoly. I'm in the National Speaker Association as a CSP and million dollar speaker. I've got some sick resources, brother. Again, I got. I would love to be able, obviously free of charge, to to be able to just give you some some suggestions. And then I also want to put something in your plate. Uh, you know, if you could DM me the, the the companies that you have in your websites, I got some pretty cool resources. My wife just started a company called Scar Food. She works with this elite woman from Miami and she's like the scar queen. She's like 50,000 patients. And it's, it's really uh, interesting. So I would love to be able to pick your brain, you know, for her business. And I'd love to, in exchange at a respect, just give you some like free advice and free yeah. directions, man. And I, this is what I'm talking about. Synergy. Love I mean, love yep. that. Yeah, sure. I'm loving uh, it. Joe yeah, no, Kalitz, you have any, you, any, any closing questions you have from, for Mr. Sean over here? No, I think you you just between the both of us we covered just about everything other than, you know, your your bad you know what, we're on radio, so I don't wanna be using inappropriate language, but you're one bad tough guy. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Hundred percent. This has been phenomenal. So, uh, thanks so much for doing this. I'm glad we're going to stay connected, Sean, because um, again, like, who doesn't want to be connected with a damn Navy SEAL? First off, uh, oh, listen, I I'm can't excited. wait to rock out on on on, uh, on Call freaking of uh, Call of Duty. Are you kidding me? We're gonna have to get listen, that on. Um, Sean, we have to get I'm it on the, video. Real quick, Sean, I'm in the, in the entertainment industry. Like, my wife was a like a pretty big recording artist. She's got tracks like Meek Mill and stuff like that. So one of my claim to fames is that Papoose and Remy Ma are friends of ours. And so they were, Pap was actually at our house, you know, playing rap star. Okay. On the PlayStation back in the day. So I got to play rap star with a, with a legend. And now I'm looking forward to playing call of duty with the Navy seal officer. That's there you go. Great. We got to get that recorded. So we Absolutely. can watch Sean kick butt. <laughs> He's going to kick my butt. I, I'm, 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 I, again, Mortal Kombat. No hey, offense. Hey, Navy listen. Seal or not. I'm ripping that heart we'll, out. Of no, we'll play, don't we'll let the blind guy team. get involved. Same team. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> All right. LA's got to close it listen, out. He's got to go. Listen, don't yeah. let the blind guy get involved. Y'all know how it go. You know what I'm saying? All y'all get involved. Oh, there's no way in hell. He always talks that ish, Sean, because he thinks he can play video games. I, I am can. not losing to a blind guy playing video games. I'm not the one. <laughs> This is the crazy part about it, but it's all good. Listen, I got I got people that vouch for me. So listen, I'm about to start a whole, you know, movement. Like y'all better not play. Like 
<laughs> anyway, so listen, ladies and gentlemen, this has been absolutely phenomenal. You've been hearing all of the great extras, right? Because you made a decision to tune into the Against All Odds radio show podcast. So thanks so much, Mr. Sean Madsen. Thank you so much, Joe Kalitz, for being on. And listen, of course, thank you to Sean V. Bradley. Hey, y'all, listen, make sure y'all tune in all of the month of May. We got some real powerful stuff for y'all. Talk to you next week.